Migraine Canada presents Migraine Talks with Dr. Elizabeth Leroux. A podcast to learn, share, and live better. Please remember, the content of this podcast does not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Discuss all decisions regarding your care and treatment options with your healthcare provider. Hello, my friends. I'm Dr. Elizabeth LaRue, headache neurologist in Montreal and your host for Migraine Talks. In today's podcast, we discuss the impact of migraine on families. One in four households in Canada includes a person with migraine. That's an awful lot of Canadians. With today's guest, Maya Carvalho, we will talk about dating, family planning, managing the family activities, and how to find balance and avoid guilt. If migraine affects your family one way or another, well, that podcast is for you. I'm single. So far, I've been unable to develop any serious relationship, as I am always either in pain, either before, during, or after migraine attacks, or struggling to catch up on life and on my responsibilities. I'm very hesitant to even try to meet new people, not that I don't want to, but I'm always in fear that I'll be incapable of maintaining the relationship. I have missed out several family functions in the past 15 years due to migraines. I have missed out several of my daughter's activities, as well as nieces and nephews. This has had a very negative impact on my life, causing depression and loneliness. It has negatively impacted my relationship with my spouse of 19 years, as I never want to go anywhere because I have a migraine. To discuss the issue of migraine in the family, we welcome Maya Carvalho. Maya is the founder of the Chronic Migraine Support Group Canada, a migraine educator and advocate. She holds a bachelor degree in interior design from the University of Manitoba, as well as an MBA in business strategy from the University of Toronto. Prior to her work in this field, she was a marketing executive for L'Oréal in New York City. She's dedicated to improving the quality of life of Canadians living with chronic migraine by offering educational support, peer support, and advocacy for this debilitating neurological disease. Maya currently lives in Toronto with her husband and puppy. Hello, Maya. Thank you so much for joining us again on this uh, podcast, uh, Migraine Talks by Migraine Canada. Um, it's so nice of you to join us again. Thank you for having me, Dr. LaRue. It's my pleasure. So in today's podcast, we wanted to talk about uh, family and relationships. But before we dive into the topic of family, well, before actually having a family, um, people go through dating um, and looking for a partner. So does migraine have an impact on romantic relationships? Yes, I hear from my members all the time that it has quite an impact on dating. I think it makes people feel a little bit insecure about dating. It reduces their confidence a little bit, which is unfortunate. And one of the real practical uh, implications is that they worry about having to cancel. So when they're just starting out in a relationship, it becomes very difficult to explain to somebody that they don't know that they have to cancel because they're having a migraine attack. So this seems to be one of the big hurdles at the early stages of a relationship. 
um, before they can even build the relationship enough to have a discussion about their illness. And I want to ask a follow-up question. So in the discussions you have with your members and the people you support, and you, you've been doing that for quite a while, um, do, do you find that in the society in general, in this kind of younger crowd, um, do you find that when they disclose or when they actually explain their migraine situation to someone they are seeing, um, do people know about migraine? Is this a situation where they face actually a lack of understanding or maybe some, you know, like uh, raised eyebrows and, and, and questions? Yeah, I'm finding a mix of reactions. Uh, the reality is that these days, much of the dating is happening online and yeah. through uh, online interactions. And so uh, some of that energy that happens between people is limited and it's you know, cut out of the equation. So they're doing it online and it becomes a little bit difficult for them to get a true understanding from their partner, their partner that, or the person that they might want to have a date with. Here's the word migraine. And still I would suggest thinks headache. And there is still a really huge lack of understanding that what that person is going through is something serious. And secondly, one of the problems is that at the early stages, that person may think it has, it's an excuse ah. to not go on a date. So I have heard from many young people in my group who are quite trepidatious about beginning dating and even entering into that world. Um, and many of them sort of feel that they should get their migraine attacks under control first. And my suggestion is always not to do that, to simply go out into the world as they are now, full package, and just try to explain it to whomever they're speaking with or whomever they want to date. And if that person's a really good person and worthy of them, they will understand. Yeah, so a lot, a lot goes through explanations and education and um, just, you know, presenting how you are now, because all of us have, you know, our our lives and uh, we shouldn't have to hide anything right before That's entering right. a relationship. Absolutely. That's so right. let's say that, you know, you, you are now in a family and you, you may have children. Um, so does the topic of family uh, relationships and impact on family comes up when you talk with your members? Yes, it comes up all the time. As you know, there are many women uh, who experience migraine more than men. So the topic of family is a frequent one. Uh, not only does it impact the day-to-day -day life within a family, but many of my members have told me that it impacts their family planning. So they take their migraine disease into account when they are deciding whether or not to have children, to have more than one children, uh, child, uh, how many children they will have. They uh, think about all these things when they're deciding about family planning. Um, I think that understanding our own uh, capabilities and our own bandwidth is really an important facet of the disease and being realistic about that is really important. So I think it's an important part of family planning. The decision to have children can be impacted by migraine, and that's a very big consequence on someone's life. In a study published in Mayo Clinic Proceedings in 2020, the researchers looked at 600 women and asked them about their pregnancy plans. They found that 20%, that's one in five, of these women avoided pregnancy because of migraine. 
The concerns evoked by women were related to a worsening of migraine during pregnancy, the disability of migraine that could make the pregnancy difficult, and the medications needed for migraine that could affect the child's development. Women who were avoiding pregnancy were more likely to be younger, but still in their 30s, so they're not like super young uh, women who maybe could just defer their plans. Um, they were also more, more likely to have chronic migraine and menstrual migraine. I can, I can definitely share that in my practice, uh, I often hear a story that uh, one of my patients would choose not to have children because of migraine. And that's actually quite sad. So you mentioned that migraine affects women more than men. But um, do you also discuss with men living with migraine who report an impact on their family? I do talk to men about how it impacts their family. And what's really interesting is that lately when I speak to men, I notice that their concerns are really the same as the concerns of women. So because uh, the economy has changed so much and women are contributing as much to household incomes as men, there really is no disparity in terms of what a man experiences in terms of the impact on family and a woman, what a woman experiences. So their concerns are the same. It's, you know, how much time am I missing with my children? That's the number one concern with both men and women. Uh, how much more stress is this putting on my partner? Same concern with both men and women. Uh, and then what is the financial loss to my family? Same concern with both men and women. That's quite interesting. And, and of course, we did not uh, mention the uh, uh, homosexual couples or any other uh, gender relationships, but uh, all of uh, all, all people who are in relationships, what I hear from you is that the world has changed and every type of relationship can be affected uh, no matter if it's a man or a woman in a relationship with a man or a woman. That's right. And with or without children, right? So it still uh, has a massive impact. So let's go, let's continue about the, uh, the, the impact on the partners. Um, there was a cameo, a study called Cameo, which I will detail separately. And one aspect study was the fact that the partner may not understand what migraine is. Um, is that a challenge you observe? And how do you support your members with that? Yes, that's a challenge I hear very often. Uh, my members come to me frequently and tell me that they simply don't know how to communicate the impact of this disease with their partners, with their family members, and with their closest friends. And one of the greatest requests I have from my members is to help them communicate with these people. So as a result, what I did was I asked members for input about what were the real gaps in understanding. And I looked at what were the key gaps in understanding and the things that the comments that were the most hurtful to them from their partners and their family members. And I took those comments that was, were hurtful and I tried to create a guide so I created what I call a primer for friends and family. And what it does is it, it talks about uh, what migraine is, what causes it, what the triggers are, what the symptoms are, so that it educates partners and family members about the realities of the disease. 
And then secondly, it includes things to avoid saying and things that they can say as a substitution. So often I think, you know, people say hurtful comments unwittingly. You know, they're, they're not intending to cause any hurt. They simply don't understand. So I listed all the, the most frequent comments that were hurting my members' feelings and I addressed them sort of head on and then gave them alternative uh, suggestions of what they could say um, that would be more helpful. Um, and I found this has been a real support to my members. They print out the guide, they email the guide to their family members and it's been very useful. Wow, that's really concrete work and I'm sure that's very helpful. And as you say, it's people usually don't want to hurt their partner. Uh, so it really comes from a lack of understanding uh, yes. and about what migraine is. Sometimes you say things without even realizing and in, in couples, you know, all is about communication, not only about migraine, but in general. Yes. So having yes. such uh, resources is probably a very helpful. The CAMEO study was done in the United States to observe different things related to migraine. It was a very big study. One aspect that they studied was the impact on family. Questions were asked to 4,000 couples with a person with migraine, so that's a lot of people, and results were quite striking. It was made very clear that migraine could make a person miss family events, religious events, and that was even worse for people with chronic migraine. Many people reported concerns about the financial stability of their family due to migraine. Another statistic that really got to me, 30% of people with episodic migraine and 60% of people with chronic migraine thought they would be a better spouse if they did not have migraine. I felt a lot of empathy for these people right there. In my clinic, I talk to tons of patients who describe how they cancel activities, how they ask their spouse to pick up the children at school because they can do it that day, how the children learn that, you know, daddy or mommy is sick and they have to stay quiet. The Kimio study also demonstrated that many partners do not understand what migraine is or don't even believe that their partner has migraine. We really need to get migraine better understood by society in general. So now, back to our interview to discuss some solutions. I want to dive a little bit deeper in the matters of family, uh, not family planning to have children, but family life planning. So routines, schedules, events. Uh, we know migraine is a notoriously unpredictable thing. Yes, we may have triggers and see an attack coming, but sometimes it comes unannounced. Um, so do you want to share with us some some things that you sometimes discuss with your members or tips to um, juggle this very busy routine uh, of the family nowadays? Sure. Uh, the first thing actually goes back to what we were talking about previously, which was that now households share responsibility with men and women. And so I encourage mothers and to not take on that guilt uh, which is really a huge issue. It's the guilt that I hear from mothers, a feeling that they yes. aren't, uh, you know, doing their, their job well enough. And that guilt overwhelms them. So first of all, I think anyone who is a mother living with chronic migraine is a superhero if they can manage that to begin with. And I tell them that every day. But I think what's important is for them to be honest and, and understand that this is a job for both parents and to share those responsibilities with both parents 
is not something negative. It's something positive. So I think that's the first step is understanding that they don't have to do it themselves. And it's okay for, you know, either their same sex partner or their husband to be sharing those duties with them. I think that's the first step is sort of asking for the help and sharing the responsibility. Um, another tool that's really useful, I think, for all people living with migraine is pacing, is really understanding that, you know, living with this disease, you are likely not going to be able to plan three children's activities in one day. That's not going to happen. It's going to be too much for you and you're probably going to crash. So it's, it's being realistic and, you know, changing things and understanding that, you know, different is not worse, right? Different is just different. So you're still going to give your children those experiences. You might give them those experiences spread out over three days rather than happening all together on one day. So I think it's um, really understanding that. I think there's a little bit of a, a tendency that when a person has a good day, as you well know, they tend to pack it all in and then they simply do too much overload and then they are paying for it uh, for the next few days. So pacing is hugely important. Uh, I think another thing that's really important is to build a network around your family of you know aunts, uncles, neighbors, friends who can be a support and who can be secondary members of your family who can come in and jump in when you maybe have a sudden attack and you have something planned that cannot be changed. So, you know, have the, build those friendships and those networks and explain to those people what you live with. And many people would be happy to jump in and help if you ask, they're simply not aware. So I think that that's uh, another tool that people can use. Um, they just have to become uh, more willing to, to open up about this disease and ask for help. It's so interesting what you're saying, because we could make some philosophical comments about the way we live our lives in general nowadays with very packed schedules. Uh, people are talking more and more about children's burnout, you know, uh, anxiety in children, fast paced routines, waking up early and also about isolation. And it's, it's true. And, you know, I'm a single person and I, I'm an aunt. And it's, it's some people actually, it's, it's true that the families tend to kind of seclude a little bit sometimes when there are people out there who would be delighted to be part of your family and to be there for you, because that's what humanity is. You know, it's communication, yeah. it's networking. And with this pandemic raging out there, we, we realize the full value of friendships and extended networks and how important it is to, to be all in this together. So great comments. Um, and so I, I think maybe uh, you would, is there anything else that you'd like to add on this topic? I'd just like to add um, something about uh, children and children's experience of their parents having migraine. Mm. Again, as I mentioned, so many of the mothers that I deal with have so much guilt over this. And what I've actually witnessed is that the children who live in homes of parents who experience or live with any kind of chronic illness or debilitating illness actually develop extraordinary empathy and compassion as a result. And involving your children in your disease 
actively getting them to participate with in, you know, perhaps, you know, giving mummy an ice pack or, you know, turning down the lights or having to be quiet for a little bit so that she can rest. These are not negative things. Yes, you're asking for a bit of a sacrifice, but in the long run, what you're doing is creating these empathetic, compassionate humans who are going to go out into the world. And that's really a gift to society that, that they're going to have those qualities. So that's something I emphasize a lot with my members is to turn it around and look at it from another perspective in terms of what your children are gaining. From it, yes. yes. So yeah, absolutely. The uh, I hear that from my patients. The, I'm happy you mentioned the guilt because the guilt is very, very powerful, especially in women. I don't want to discard men at all, but it's something that uh, we learn. And I think uh, it's part of our, the, our society. Um, and it, it, the guilt has to be addressed uh, yeah. because it doesn't help at all. What helps is actually looking at ways to work together to make this better. And I also see so many moms and dads who talk about their children as being fantastic and, and uh, compassionate. And they, they do learn from these experiences. Of course, I don't wish that on anybody, you know, no. to have severe chronic migraine. But if that's the situation, there's always something to be learned from it and to grow stronger uh, as a family. And maybe migraine or any other situation or health condition that a family has to live with. So as always, Maya, this was a very interesting interview. I think our community can learn a lot from uh, your experience. I thank you for being there and I look forward to uh, have you on the future podcasts. Thank you very much, Dr. LaRue. As I concluded this interview, I thought about the survey Migraine Canada did when we started the association, so that's in 2018. In this survey, we asked people about their family. We also asked family members to comment on their close ones affected by migraine. Some quotes, and we have pages of them, were really heartbreaking, and those were quotes from partners and children. On the bright side though, one of the best things that can happen during a clinic is someone telling me, well, you know, since I'm taking this treatment, whatever the treatment is, well, my partner told me I'm like the old me again, I can have fun, and my children have their mommy or daddy back. That, that's really one of the best things that can happen to a physician. Migraine Canada is working to increase awareness about migraine because it affects people and their family. Also, if you'd like to hear about migraine and children, well, we have a podcast just for you. Look it up. Migraine Canada is a not-for-profit organization. We improve the lives of Canadians affected by migraine and other headache disorders through awareness, support, education, advocacy, and research. This podcast does not replace a medical advice. Always consult your treating healthcare provider to make any medical decision. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, listen to the 11 others from our 2021 series, available on your favorite platform. Remember that you'll find plenty of additional information on MigraineCanada.org. Is there a topic you'd like to hear about in the future? If you have suggestions or feel like sharing your thoughts, please email us at info at migrainecanada.org and don't forget to check our website. We'd love to hear from you.